Hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. I'm Steve Wiss and I'm joined by Jonathan Fadugba. On this edition we're going to be talking about uh, all the European action this week in Champions League, Europa League qualifiers, followed by an in-depth section on the Alsvenskan transfer window which has uh, recently closed. So uh, as I said I'm joined by my uh, co-host Jonathan Fadugba. How are you doing my friend? Very well, Steve. Happy to be introduced twice there. It's so good that you named me twice. Um, I'm very well, and it's been an interesting night, isn't it? We're, we're, we're bang on it from the European games. I think the dust is just settling on uh, the extra time in one of the games, so let's get into this European bonanza. Yes, uh, at the time of recording, we've just come uh, to the end of the matches in Europe tonight, and uh, in Europa League, that is. And I suppose we're, we're, that's where we're going to have to start, actually. Um, if we look at the, uh, the matches involving our Svenskin and Elite Serbian clubs, that's the big standout result for me probably is Mulder have gone through uh, after extra time against Aris um, of Greece. I'll talk about that in a minute. Augustson uh, really battled hard to graft out a nil-nil draw away against PSV, but they do get knocked out on aggregate. AIK and Malmo, they're through but Hagerson get knocked out. So, um, I mean, what result? which of those results caught your eye the most tonight, would you say, uh, in the Europa League? Well, I think from uh, a Swedish perspective, which is my domain, uh, it's sad to see Norshopping go, uh, losing uh, against Hapoel Beersheva. I mean, we'll talk about all the games, I guess, in due course, but uh, they were the only ones to fall tonight. Um, haven't been able to make it and fall at the fi- one of the final hurdles. Uh, AIK managed to progress, um, and we'll talk about them shortly as well. And, and Malmo have made it through pretty comfortably. So we're down to two Swedish teams now for that for that last uh, you know Europa League place. Yeah, I think um, I suppose before that we better mention the Champions League. And Rosenborg did did progress on Tuesday against Maribor six two on aggregate against uh, Maribor. And uh, I correctly predicted this outcome, um, having seen Maribor in action against AIK. Uh, I was never really. Um, worried about Rosenborg in either match, to be honest. They've, they've played very, very well in Europe this year. And uh, yeah, two really good performances against Maribor. And the, the reward is a, um, a tie against Dynamo Zagreb for a place in the Champions League group stage. Um, so, uh, I don't know if you saw any of the, uh, the Rosenborg match, uh, John, but, um, I mean, even you must be quite impressed that they've made it this far in the, uh, in the Champions League qualifiers. I did not see that. I th- I'll leave that to you. That's the Norway area. And uh, I think you, you covered that pretty well. I saw on Twitter you had a lot of comments there. Uh, how was the game? You know what? They they fell behind um, on the stroke of half-time, which you know I, I did wonder whether they might bottle it a little bit. All they had to do was make sure they didn't concede more than two goals and they were through. Um, so... But they come up with a really good second half performance. I have to say, Conradson's played very well in recently in Europe. Alexander Goods, and um, it's really intriguing to me. I mean, we had a, some, a lot of questions from the listeners about my prediction for the Dinamo Zagreb um, tie, and I think that they're one of them teams that well, I initially tweeted when the, the, the draw was made, the long term draw, that this is a favourable uh, draw for, for, for Rosenborg because. You know, Dinamo Zagreb or Ferenc Varos, but ultimately, Rosenborg are underdogs in this match. Uh, Zagreb have more of a European pedigree in recent years. They've got 
you look at their page on transfer mark, quite a few players valued over five million. Um, I think one player that is especially uh, sought after is Olmo, uh, Spaniard. I don't know much about him, but he was even Danny Olmo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was linked with with Premier League teams, I think, in this window. Yeah, I've seen him uh, for the Spain under twenty ones. He was he's an excellent player, actually. Uh, he looked really good in that tournament. Um, technical player, maybe a bit like Ivan Perisic or a kind of uh, Juan Mata type, you know, technical like, like Danny Tobias, who's just gone to Arsenal on loan. He's um, that sort of gifted Spanish type player. I don't know how he's ended up in um, in that league, to be honest, playing out in Croatia. But uh, well, he's gonna he's gonna leave that club. Um, before the end of the transfer window, I think. But Zagreb want to keep him until the end of these qualifiers because they believe, obviously, qualifying for the group stage is worth its weight in gold, isn't it? I don't know how much, maybe roughly 10, 15, 20 million euros, perhaps, just for making it into the, the group stages. So, yeah, Rosenborg are underdogs, no doubt about it. They're going to have to put in two very, very good performances um, against Zagreb. But, um, you know... Play, yeah. I mean, who... who... I wanted to ask you a question actually about Rosenborg, which is, um, you know, the lineup. There was a lot of criticism about the manager in the beginning of the season. Uh, I don't want to dwell on it too long because we have talked about him a lot. But um, who are the players that you would say have, have sort of stepped up in this resurgence for Mar- for Rosenborg? They seem to have, you know, climbed up the table quite well and quite quickly. Um, who are the key men? Would you say Conradson is he? Is he a key man? Yeah, definitely, Conradson's done very well. Mike Jensen has really stepped up to the plate, the captain. Um, Alexander Söderlund's scored some excellent goals recently for them in Europe and um, I think a lot of the big players have just been up for the fight of late Um, they kind of had a a sulk early on in the season but everyone wants to impress on the European stage don't they let's be honest if you're not up for these sort of games then what's the point in being a football player so it's pleasing to see and obviously the manager I I gave him a lot of criticism early in the season um, he still doesn't fully convince me, but behind the scenes, he must have had some very good man management skills to get these players back in a better head, in a in a head place. You know, their mental state is a lot better right now. So I'll give him I'll give him plenty of credit for that. Well, I've just realised that Conradson, Anders Conradson, there is actually tw- is 29 years old now, which I'm stunned at because I remember back in the day with you, Steve, being an analyst on the French league, and he was a, he was a young player at that point at Rennes, uh, Stade Rennes. Uh, I'm absolutely shocked that he's uh, 29, to be honest, and that, I guess that shows that maybe I'm, we're getting on a bit, getting on a bit in years. Uh, you know, time time is flying, isn't it? Yeah. How old do you think Daniel Bratton is now? I saw uh, him actually in a game the other day. I tuned into a Norwegian game and he was playing in it, and he's he's gone bold now, hasn't he? <laughs> I couldn't believe I couldn't believe it. I mean, that sums it up, to be honest. I don't need to really answer that question. He he lost all his hair. He's knocking on the door of 40, I think. I don't know exactly. I think 38, maybe 39. But uh, yeah, another one back from our uh, days uh, uh, working together. So yeah, Rosenborg, well done to them. And um, I'm looking forward to the Dinamo Zagreb tie. My prediction for the tie is for Zagreb to prevail just. Yeah, and I think uh, I agree with you 100% on your comment there about uh, the importance of Danny Olmo and and. You know, I think it's a shrewd business decision from Dinamo Zagreb, and I think it's a business decision that takes me on to my next uh, club that we should maybe discuss, uh, and that is Nor Shopping. Um, the reason, you know, I want to talk about them following on from this is because of the they've gone in a completely opposite direction to to Zagreb, haven't they? In in, in trying to keep hold of their players, 
the Croatian outfit to to qualify for the lucrative um, group stages. Nor Shopping cashed in on their star asset, Jordan Larson, and it's cost them, hasn't it, in this game tonight? And they've gone out against Blechevre, as we mentioned. Yeah, and um, yeah, this for me is a disappointment from a from a neutral point of view. Um, no disrespect to the Israeli league or Beersheva, but um, they're the sort of team they should be beating. They should have set themselves up for a tie against Feyenoord uh, in the last round of, um, of the Europa League uh, qualifying. Okay, that would not have been an easy game, but they should be in that position. 3-1 on the night, uh, the second leg, 1-1 on the first leg. Is that where it cost them, do you think, John, the first leg? And did what went wrong for them in Israel? Well, that's the thing. Uh, that you know, that is really what has cost them the first leg. They they missed a, a host of chances in that game, and you know that was around the time when Jordan Larson had just left. To be honest, it was all breaking. Uh, you know, at that point, um, they had to rejig their lineup. Obviously, they've got new signing uh, Mike Semmer, who we will talk about. He scored. Uh, we'll talk about all the Swedish transfers in in part two of this podcast. Um, complete rundown as the window is now closed. Um, but yeah, he, he played up front with Neiman and Haksavanovic in a kind of a 3-4-3 that they tend to uh, set up with. But it was really a game of uh, chances missed. And, uh, you know, as you've mentioned there, it's, it's cost them. And I just wondered, you know, when looking at that game, you know, how how costly was it not having um, the man himself there, Jordan Lass, Henrik Larsson's son in that, in that game? I mean, he would surely have taken some of the chances, you know, in that match, I, I feel. And ultimately, I, I believe that's what really cost them. I mean, tonight they were they were not as bad, you know. It's, you know, it was really a case. I mean, they weren't as good. Sorry, I mean, in this game uh, in in Israel, I think you were doing a little bit of a discredit to uh, the team Hapoel To be fair, because they came third in the Israeli league last season, and you know, I know the levels not amazing, but I think it's actually a little, little bit better than people give it credit for at times. Um, I think they produce some good players out there. Um, they tend to get a lot of African imports and, and players from those kind of leagues as well who develop and, and maybe move on. Um, but tonight it was a case of they were kind of dominated, really. They did they did get back into it late, but it was 2-0. Uh, they got one goal back to make it 2-1. But ultimately, it was too late. And then uh, the Israeli team topped it off with a third goal late on. So, yeah, it's all over for... No shopping, and they are out. And it, it just says to me, as I mentioned, you know, should Scandinavian teams be really making better business decisions to keep players? If they'd have kept him for three or four more weeks, Jordan Larson, they might find themselves in the Europa League group stages, which is worth millions. Um, that could counterbalance the, the sort of three or four million euros they got for him in, in the first place. Something to think about, really, because I don't tend to see that kind of logical thinking that, you know, Dinamo Zagreb, as you mentioned uh, there, tend to have. Yeah, um, to be fair, Israel is a tough place to go, actually. The fans, it's a bit of a bear pit, isn't it, out there sometimes? Um, I remember watching Strasbourg were there in the last round against someone and uh, they found themselves in a bit of trouble, so uh, managed to come through in the end. But um, an Israeli test uh, actually awaits Malmo now. They're facing a side called Yehuda, who I've genuinely never heard of them, so I don't really know whether they're an up-and-coming team or whether they did well in the Cup or something out there in Israel. I don't know, but... Uh, Mamor through after a, an aggregate win against Zhirinsky. Uh, um, there were no real alarms in this tie for them, were there, uh, John? And um, would you expect them now to qualify for the group stage? 
Malmo, I, I, I would expect them to qualify. Yeah, I think they're they're a strong, strong like strong outfit. Um, won the first leg comfortably three 0 against the Mostar, the Mostar club. Um, you know, pretty straightforward win. Took the lead in the first half. Rasmus Bengtsson, and then a goal from Anders, Anders Christensen, who's such a key man for them, and, and Soren Reeks. And they were able to kind of rotate a little bit in in the team for this game. And you know, ultimately they. They've gone through quite comfortably. I'm not entirely sure who they're playing in the next game. Yeah. You Yehuda from Israel. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know much about that team, I'm, I'll be honest with you. But um, they lost this game. They lost 1-0. So they've taken their eye off a little bit. I mean, Jonas Knudsen came in um, for you know one of his first games. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a disappointment to lose. But uh, I think they'll be worried as well by injury to Marcos Antons and who went off. Yeah. But we shall see, um, you know, how they how they get on. And the final Swedish team, AIK, they're through um, 3-2 aggregate win against Sheriff Tiraspol. Could only draw 1-1 in the second leg at home against them. And it got very nervous, I think, from what I was reading. But they are through. And uh, somewhat unfortunately, they are now going to face Celtic for a place in the Champions League, uh, sorry, Europa League group stage. Um, Bit of an unfortunate draw for them. If, if uh, they'd much rather have faced uh, Cluj, I'm sure. But uh, it just seems that the Scandinavian teams cannot avoid Celtic, can they? In in Europe these days. Well, yes, we uh, we now finally have the answer to the, uh, you know, we now know who shot the sheriff, uh, as Bob Marley once sang, and it, it was uh, it was Nabil Bahui. He's uh, he's he's gunned down the sheriff and. His goal has been enough in this game. It was a one-all draw and, you know, an aggregate 3-2 win. So, Nabil Bahoui came on and uh, got his goal. Um, he's doing really well, actually, since he's, he's rejoined the club. Um, we'll talk about him again in the transfers section later on. But, um, yeah, got a key goal, really, because um, Sheriff actually scored in the 86th minute. And it looked like they, if they just got one more in that last five minutes, they would have gone through. So AIK would have been out and that would have been a disaster for the club, really. Uh, so they managed to hang on. And as I said, uh, we shot the Sheriff and they now progress to a massive game, really, against Celtic. I want to touch on one thing, which is the um, the atmosphere at the club um, and the protests, actually. At uh, AIK? Yeah, so there's there's been a lot of issues and this has been a theme in Sweden for um, a good part of the season now. The, the attendance for this game was was very low. And part of the reason was they, they, they shut certain parts of the ground. Uh, and the reason for this is because there's an ongoing dispute between the fans and police, Swedish police, about um, TIFOs and displays, you know, things like flares. Uh, and it's really sort of kicked off this season and it's escalated. Um, there's been a lot of fan protests and fans are really not happy about it. And uh, there's been boycotts uh, of, of, of games and uh, AOK was one of them. Um, because of this, you know, this ongoing issue with police trying to really clamp down on, on uh, sub- fan support, and I think it's a massive shame to be honest. I, I understand the safety element, um, and obviously safety is paramount for the spectators, but I really think it, it, it takes away and detracts from the uh, atmosphere in Sweden to not allow these fans to to display, you know, their tifos and, and their flares and things like that. It makes it makes the league. It adds a lot of flavour to the league, which I think is. A massive shame if it, if they are to lose that, um, 
you know, attendances in Sweden and Norway and in Scandinavia in general aren't incredible, you know, but um, what you do get is those fans that do attend are very, very passionate. And I think, you know, just trying to restrict the, what they can and can't do in the stadium, you know, there's so many amazing displays that you get of fans before games, especially, you know, the Stockholm teams do really well, Gothenburg teams do really well. You know, there's a lot of really passionate fan bases out there. Um, and yeah, they closed their North Stand ahead of this game because of the pr- police. And I just think it's a massive shame, to be honest. And I hope they get the opportunity to have a full house against Celtic because that really, really will be a huge game. Yeah, and on Twitter, we had a question from Ryan McAteer. Is he related to Jason at all? I don't know. Um, but um, he asked you, uh, how do you think AIK would fare against Celtic? And what sort of a threat can, can they pose to Celtic? Well, that's a very good question. And, um, <clears throat> well, I think what they will pose, I mean, it was a bit of a disaster for Celtic, wasn't it, to lose to Kluge. Uh One of my favourite ever banners at Manchester United uh, was when they played Kluge in the Champions League many, many years ago. And uh, there was a, a fan flag in the crowd which said, knee-deep knee deep in Kluge. So, um, yeah, that was a nice play on words, which I enjoyed and had room to this day. But uh, Cluj knocked them out and Celtic now will have to take on that challenge in, in the Europa League. It will not be easy for them by any means because I think with Celtic under Neil Lennon, from what I know, they're not quite as solid as they were in the past. Um, I think they kind of straddle between being really on the front foot at times or, or maybe being a little bit more conservative than Brendan Rodgers' side was. I, I could be wrong on that, but that's how I've seen it. From, from a distance, maybe. Um, what they will face in AIK is a very solid unit, uh, a team that won the league with conceding the fewest amount of goals last season. They conceded hardly any goals in their 30-game campaign, less than uh, 0.5 per game on average, which sums up how solid they were. Um, they based their game on defence. They based their game on solidity under their manager, the quirky Ricard Norling. Um, AIK have lost a few players in recent weeks as well uh, and months because of the transfer and on the transfer window Daniel Sundgren who played against Mulder tonight um, yeah, he's, he's obviously left the club now uh, he's gone to Aris um, and they've lost others but they've made some replacements uh, as I mentioned Bahui will be he could potentially be a key player he looks like he's getting more and more importance in that team um, players that maybe uh, to look out for for Mr McAteer there maybe Sebastian Larson who was formerly of Arsenal and Sunderland, he might remember, uh, is one in the midfield, getting on a bit in years, but you know, still can dictate the play at times, takes you know, set pieces, good, good free kick taker as always. Um, and they've got a couple of good sort of lively strikers. They have options there now. Henrik Goitam, Tarek Elianusi, Chinadu Abassi. So you know, physically, they're quite robust up front. They can offer the defenders a, a strong physical threat. So yeah, what you can expect, I think, is probably two tight games. Uh, I think AIK will look to kind of sit sit back and maybe counter-attack um, and, and try and keep the scoreline very, very tight. I think Celtic are at home first. So I can imagine them doing that and then maybe trying to take them back to Stockholm and, and uh, grind out the job. So yeah, it will, it will not be easy by any means for, for either team, really. I would put Celtic as slight favourites, but um, yes, it will be a very open and, and I think a very good game. Interesting stuff. And... Um... Just before we move on to, to Mulder uh, in, in Europe, um, Torleif Oyen uh, asked a good question um, on uh, to us here. As besides transfers, am I right in assuming Rosenborg will now be the first Scandinavian team to play with VAR in the CL 
playoff. Neither league has it, but have any Swedes been there already? And um, he also asked uh, to rate their chances and if they'll keep Berger Melling, just on Berger Melling. I know um, Rudenberg rejected an offer from LAFC uh, for him, so I'd imagine they'll keep him. Um, I don't think they want to offload uh, Melling. In terms of VAR, I, I'll be honest, I didn't, I don't know, I didn't know VAR was going to be in the CL playoff round. I presume it is going to be. So it'll be interesting to see how it sets up there in um, up there in the Lurkendal Stadium. Um, I suppose at this stage, when a match is worth ten million or whatever, then uh, they need uh, VAR in place, uh, John, don't they? These days. Yeah, indeed, indeed. I, I agree with that. Uh, it's a good question, actually, and uh, I'm really enjoying the questions that uh, Mr. Owens is putting up of late. Uh, every week, he seems to come up with a really good one. I remember one about the Royal League which we covered on, a, on another show. And don't forget, you can um, dig into our archives and obviously subscribe to us on iTunes or, or Spotify uh, and follow us at Nordic Footpod if you want to ask a question because it's always good when we get those listener questions. And also, if you do enjoy the show, then give us a little rating because sometimes that can help bump us up the list. But yeah, um, VAR, well, we had the Super Cup last night, so the less talked about that, the better with penalties and how things are regulated. But Steve, let's move on to the Norwegian games. Um, which other games stood out for you tonight? Well, both stood out because Molde had a 3-0 advantage from the first leg. And I'll be honest, I didn't even bother watching the first half because it's one of those, you just expect them to get the job done, don't you? But I suddenly saw the scoreline, 2-0 at half-time. I'm like, bloody hell, they're going to bottle this, aren't they? And you know what, Aris, it was a it was a really tough environment to play in. Um Full respect to the Greek fans. They just make life very difficult for any opposition, don't they? They're, it's like a real bear pit out there. Yeah, it's really intimidating. And Aris went, got the third goal in, in in the second half. And I tell you what, they laid absolute siege to the Molder goal in the last five, ten minutes. It could easily have ended 4-0 in regulation, but there was a couple of good saves from the goalkeeper. And then in, in extra time, Molder managed to get a goal from uh, Bolly. Someone who's, I think he's hardly even scored for them this year. He came off the bench, the uh, quick uh, attacker, and got that away goal. And as soon as you get an away goal, of course, in, in, in extra time, then it's pretty much the end of the tie, isn't it? I've mentioned this before. It's a load of absolute bollocks. Um, but on this occasion, it worked for Molder, didn't it? Getting that away goal. They go through, uh, on aggregate, um, four goals to three. Um and um, I'm forgetting uh, who they're playing the next round, but um, really nervous for them there. And um, yeah, I was, I was surprised that they, uh, in the second leg, that they struggled so much. Yeah, and then the other game, uh, what caught your eye there? What was the main talking points? Well, PSV won the first leg in Hogerson 1-0. I was expecting the, the Dutch side to absolutely batter them tonight, to be brutally honest. Um, you know... <laughs> And, but Gorgeson ground out a nil-nil. And you know what? They were a threat in the second half. They could easily have scored. They hit the post with about five minutes left. Had a couple of other good chances. They could easily have taken it to extra time, which would have been sensational, wouldn't it? I mean, PSV were, you know, the bookmakers, one to five favourites tonight, even shorter. Uh, I thought they were absolutely crap. I mean, this is a team that finished, what, level on points with Ajax last year in the Dutch League. They should be absolutely hammering them over two legs here. I was not impressed with PSV Eindhoven at all, John. And um, I don't want to take anything away from Augustin, but uh, they really should be totally outclassing uh, a side like Augustin. I suspect it's maybe 
a bit of a depression after being knocked out of the Champions League round against Baal. But, you know, full respect to Augustin, they've, they've given an absolute best shot here. They've left everything out on the field. And on another day, they might have taken them to extra time and who knows what could have happened then. Uh, great run for them in Europe. They took it very seriously. Really great to see a side embrace, um, you know, Europa League qualifying from, from a team like Augustin. And uh, it's just a shame for them. They couldn't progress to the next um, round. I don't think anyone gave them a, a prayer in this tie, but they've come very close to upsetting the odds. So unlucky. Yeah, massive, massive uh, respect to Haugesson. I think they really deserve credit. You see a lot of teams sort of treat Europa League or European games at times with a blase attitude. And I must say, they've been a fre- breath of fresh air, I think, Haugesson. I know that my man Bruno Leitzig, who I'm a fan of, hit the post as well, I, I understand. Um, PSV are managed by Mark Van Bommel, by the way, which is another blast in the past, isn't it, really, when you think about it, him, such a sort of solid midfielder in the, in the sort of 2000s. Um, it doesn't sound like he's doing too well. They're scraping past the sort of, well, considered minnows, really, weren't they, Haugesson, in, in this game? So you just sum up Haugesson's campaign, you know, in a, you know, a quick 20 seconds, maybe 30 seconds. What was the highlights of players? Is there anyone who maybe might come out of this team now and progress even further? You know, sometimes it can be a real um, kickstarter for players' careers, can't it? And push them onto bigger things. What's the overview of Haugesson? Or even the manager, you know, surely he will get some attention for the way he's, he's, he's led them on this, on, this, on this journey. Well, they've not had the, the full players available. They've had a lot of injuries and suspensions around, but two mm-hmm. players have stood out. There's been uh, ones to watch out in the future. Um, Christopher Velder, uh, just a 19-year-old, and uh, he can play um, sort of on, on either wing. Uh, he's caught the eye recently in league and, and Europe. And also uh, Kevin Krygaard, who scored the goal that got them to the, this round. He scored that goal against Sturm Graz away from home, which uh, enabled them to face PSV, another 19-year-old youngster. And these guys wouldn't have been in the team if it weren't for the injuries that they suffered. So. You know, for them two guys to go out on, on the European stage and really catch the eye, hopefully they can develop and they could be two lads to watch out for um, in the elite Assyrian in the next uh, two or three years uh, to come. But um, yeah, the manager, Jorstein, has done a, a good job here by keeping things simple. They're very tight knit squad and I would expect them hopefully to finish about sort of mid-table this year and uh, the Europa League run without doubt will be the highlight of their uh, season. Yeah, fantastic stuff to the Hag. Big respect. Uh, I, I'm really, uh, I'm all for the teams taking it seriously and giving it a good go. And, you know, they've given um, not only Sturm Graz a bloody nose, but also given PSV some serious worries there, you know, such a low aggregate score. Before we move on from uh, European football and on to domestic matters, we're going to talk about the Swedish transfer window, which has just shut. Um, let me run through three or three stats just for those who want a bit of context on the Europa League. Uh, and what the importance of it will be. Steve, I think you're going to run through the upcoming fixtures um, before we move on. But uh, let me just give some context before you do that. Um, Each of, this is just from the UEFA guidelines in terms of finances available um, and the importance of this for Scandinavian teams, really. Each of the 48 clubs that qualify for the Europa League group stage can expect to receive a group stage allocation of 2.92 million euros, split into a down payment of 2.75 million, and a balance payment of 170,000 euros. That's the starting fees. Then, for group stage performances, bonuses would be paid for each match. 570,000 euros per win and 190,000 euros per draw. 
So if you look at that, I mean, we, you know, we've just talked about Noor shopping and selling Jordan Larson. If they kept him for one extra, you know, two extra games and got through four extra games, let's say, um, they could have been looking at an extra, you know, four, four million or so. All right, you can argue maybe they might not fancy their chances of getting through, but it just shows you that, you know, the Europa League does have a huge pot of money there available to um, Scandinavian teams if they can get it. And that could really reshake the league, in my opinion. If you get a team, you know, like a Mulder, maybe not so much a Mulder, but maybe a lower team like a Haugesund or, a, uh, you know, a, a Nor shopping into those group stages, you're really getting the ammunition to maybe take on um, your league in the future, I, I believe. Um, you know, and challenge teams like Malmo. So, yeah, it's just a few stats there for you. I mean, the Europa League winners can expect to pick up four million pounds, by the way, in the four million euros, sorry, in um, bonuses um, just for winning it uh, as an extra bonus. But um, yeah, and in- interestingly as well, just before we um, move on, Steve, I want you to run through the fixtures if you can. Mm. Um, if you compare that to the Champions League, it's not even a comparison. Uh, we mentioned you get two point nine two million uh, for participating in the group stages you get 2.7 million euros just for winning one game in the Champions League. And uh, every single team that makes that group stage in the Champions League gets 15.25 million just for being in it. So, um, yeah, that, that tells you what Celtic have lost out on and that's why they'll be pretty gutted. Um, but, yeah, who knows if um, Rosenborg can, can get it and if they do, that's what awaits them. Yeah, Rosenborg against Dinamo Zagreb for, what, 15 million, you said, um, which... I mean, I suppose from neutral supporters of Norwegian football, they probably wouldn't want to see Rosenborg get through, would they? Because it would mean probably more years of dominance in the future uh, from the windfall from that. But nevertheless, it's a 15 million game. Um, in the Europa League, we've got AIK against Celtic. Um, we've got uh, Mulder facing Partizan Belgrade, which is an interesting match, isn't it? That feels like quite a 50-50 sort of tie to me, that one. In Malmo, are facing uh, the... Uh, gosh, I've lost them. Israeli team. Israeli right? side, yeah. Israeli side. Um, in Yehuda. Yehuda. And that's that. Yeah, that is it. That is the remaining. Uh, of, of the rem- other sides um, in Scandinavia left in Europe, I think. Uh, ooh, did FC Copenhagen get knocked out last night of the Champions League? I don't know. HJK Helsinki are out of Europe, Europa League now, unfortunately. They were the last Finnish involvement. And uh, I think Brondby got knocked out as well. So. Not uh, that's the end of Finland uh, and anyone in Iceland and Faroe Islands got knocked out quite a long time ago. So um, yeah, that's the future, and uh, you know, big uh, couple of weeks coming of uh, European qualifiers. Fantastic stuff, Steve. Okay, right, we'll take a break right now, and after the interval, we're going to be talking in depth about the Asvenskan transfer uh, window. So see you again very soon. Welcome back to the Nordic Football Podcast. Um, in this section, we're going to be talking about the uh, Asvenskan transfer window, which has recently just closed. Um, that uh, all business, um, it's only interclubs, uh, has uh, all been done now uh, over there in Sweden. So uh, we're going to have a look in depth at what uh, certain teams in particular have, have done during this window. Um, I mean, overall, John. What are your feelings towards uh, 
the transfer period uh, in the Asvenskan? Deadline day is here in Sweden. It's been and gone. The transfer window is now closed for the rest of the 2019 season. And there's been quite a lot of activity. I've got my yellow tie on. We've had 67 departures from the league. And we are ready to talk about not every single one of them, but quite a lot of them. The clock is ticking, and it's uh, uh, as I say uh, expired now. The uh, the Swedish transfer window. So um, let's talk about some of the big moves and uh, the most expensive fee received by any club in this window so far. Uh, maybe uh, I may add that uh, teams could still lose players before the main European window closes. But uh, Norshipping received uh, four million. Euros, uh, roughly four million, four million euros for Jordan Larsen, who went to Spartak Moscow, and uh, we we have talked about that transfer before. Um, but in terms of Norshipping themselves, they uh, signed a couple of players, Mike uh, Seema from GIF Sundsvall on a free transfer, and Christopher Tello has returned to the club again uh, after a spell at Molde. So. In terms of Norshipping, John, they lose a big player, they gain a couple. How do you think they're doing? I mean, obviously they're the place to start because they've had one of the biggest transfers of the window, being Jordan Larson, who's now since made his debut for Spartak Moscow. Uh, looks to have gotten a team there, so good luck to him. And his departure will be felt, I think, by Norshipping, but it will also allow them an opportunity to maybe redevelop and, and sort of, um, you know, go in a different direction with their squad. I've noted in recent games that uh, the likes of Sead Haksabanovic is getting opportunities. He wasn't able to really establish himself at the time. Um, so he, he's seeing a bit more, a few more chances. And it shouldn't be forgotten that uh, No Shopping still have a, quite a lot of strikers. I think that was one of the reasons they, they decided to take that bid from um, Moscow, Spartak Moscow, because they've got the likes of Christopher Niemann still. They've got Siemens Grab who can play up there, Kale Homburg still. Uh, so they do have quite a few options in, in that attacking, in those forward positions. And obviously, they've also taken the opportunity to bring in uh, Mike Simmer, as you've mentioned. And I think it's a pretty good pickup from, from Gisson's file. Uh, and in fact, he, he repaid them almost pretty much instantly with a, a goal in the Europa League qualifying first leg against Hapoel Beersheva in a one-all draw. So, yeah, they've done some business there and um, there'll be one to look at and keep an eye on. All right, so that was uh, that was Norshipping. Uh, if we move to, uh, to, to Malmö now, and uh, they have... Uh, let's talk about the departures first. They've lost Andreas Windheim to Sparta Prague for 1.3 million euros. They've loaned three players out as well. A couple uh, to uh, fellow Arsvenskan uh, teams, Samuel Adrian to Kalmar and Pavla uh, Vagic to AFC Eskilstuna. Coming in at Malmo is Felix Beimo, a right-back from Werder Bremen, and Jonas Knudsen, left-back from Ipswich Town. So I'm not familiar with those two names, uh, John. Uh, I don't know what you know about them, but uh, you think Malmo have uh, not had a bad window here so far? Well, I kind of judge Malmo more on who they... I, I, in fact, to be honest, I judge the entire league really on who they've lost rather than who they've gained. 
I think in most cases in, in Sweden, it's, it's a case of can you hold on to your, your, your players um, and the ones who sort of lose their players at this time of the season, especially key players, you know, it can always hold them back a little bit. Um, but at the same time, Malmo, I think when I look at them, they haven't really gained anyone, I would say, who's going to be pivotal to their title race or their title challenge. But uh, in Jonas Knudsen, they got a very solid player, Danish international from the Switch Town, who's uh, very experienced and I think at this level can do a job. He's, you know, he's not going to win them the title, but he, he'll certainly be solid for them. Uh, defensively, can, you know, plays on the left or can play as a centre-back, left-sided centre-back. So um, he's an option. They also have, as you've mentioned, Felix Bejimo, who has come back from Uruguay, and he was a player who was exceptionally highly rated. Uh, about a year or so ago uh, and earned himself a move to Werder Bremen. But it didn't work out at all for him really there and he's had limited playing time and he's back in Sweden. So he's, he's come back, but it, instead of moving back to uh, to Eurogarden, as many would have maybe imagined, he's, he's gone to their rivals Malmö, which caused a little bit of a stir, but uh, it was explained by Eurogarden's sporting director just said simply, I think he's a fantastic person, the 21-year-old, but at the end of the day, we didn't have any space for him in our team. Obviously, they've got Aslak Witchery now and, and, and other players in that squad there at Eurogarden doing so well. Uh, and Malmo took the opportunity really to loan him and, and bring him in. Um, don't forget, this is a player that cost around 3 million euros, roughly, um, when he went to Bremen. But uh, yeah, he's, he's not seeing any game time when he's back. Yeah, was the fullback positions an area where they needed to reinforce, do you think, Malmo? Possibly. I mean, they, they've got options there. It's not like they're really struggling. I think I do think Malmo have got a good squad. So, you know, I wouldn't say that they're kind of in urgent need. I think it's just back, you know, solidifying their squad with Europe as well to contend with. You know, they, they, they want the biggest, biggest squad possible. And obviously, Malmo have money. You know, they're in a position to be able to strengthen when needed uh, and strengthen from a position of strength as well, not just, you know, when they're, when they're desperate. So, you know, he will compete in that right-back position. Uh, Eric Larson has obviously played there at times, but he's, he's played in, also in midfield on occasions. Um, it depends, obviously, also what kind of system uh, Malmö tend to play. You know, at times they've been playing a sort of 3-5-2 with... Um, the likes of Soren Reeks and Joeing and Berget in the wide position. So, you know, it'll be an interesting one to see. But yeah, I think they probably could have used, could use a right back. And Bejimo is a very, very good one to bring in. OK, well, let's have a look at the two teams at the top of the table right now. And that's uh, Jürgen and uh, AIK. Um, I mean, AIK lost Daniel Sundgren to Aris in, uh, in Greece. We've talked about his loss before. Nabil Bahoui is confirmed as a, uh, confirmed as a free transfer now from the Grafschap and they signed Felix Michel from AFC Eskilstuna. I mean, briefly, AIK, I mean, yeah, they lost one key player, but um, for the most part, the squad is still intact, isn't it? Indeed, yeah. I mean, um, you mentioned there Nabil, nah, nah, Nabil Bahoui, didn't you? Yes. Yes, and he's, he's, he's got off the mark pretty well. I mean, he scored two goals in uh, their recent win at AFC Eskilstuna. One of them was a very solid goal. And yeah, he will come in and look to just give them that push. I think they need it. 
I think they need a bit of uh, creativity and, and oomph. Uh, obviously, second in the table, doing very well, actually. I think they, they've kind of gone under the radar a little bit because of so much focus on Jurgaard and maybe, and, and also Malmo and, and Hammerby, who have done so well offensively. But ARK have not gone away at all. They're the, they're the champions. They're one point behind, obviously, uh, Jurgaard at this moment in time, the Stockholm battle as it stands. And I think he, he will be a good signing for them. Um, obviously, he's come out from the Dutch League. He has a history at AIK and is an experienced player. So I think a lot of fans were happy to, to see him actually as well. And as we move across town to your garden, they have signed uh, uh, an interesting player from Fortuna Dusseldorf, Emir Kujovic, a striker. Uh, they've also got hold of Curtis Edwards from Ostersunds. And I do believe Edwards actually scored for them at the weekend. Um, at your garden. Um, in terms of departures, they've not really lost anyone. It's seemingly of note. Mil- Milali Mayambila, the right winger, um, has moved to Portuguese club Ferenc for 100,000 euros. I don't know how important he was to the club. Uh, a couple of guys have gone out on loan, but um, in terms of additions, Kuzovic and Edwards, how important are they going to be for your garden, do you think? It's another one where I look at them and I think they've. It's the business they haven't done that I think could be pivotal to the to the title race in general. Uh, they've kept who I believe one is one of the best defenders in the league, and Marcus Danielson. Uh, there wasn't a huge amount of rumours around him to be fair, but um, they, they've kept him anyway. There was a lot of rumours about uh, a midfield player, Jesper Karlström, um, with rumours that he would be going to to Germany, um, among other locations, touted locations, but he's stuck around. Um, they did need, I think, a striker because to be a Toure, good player, but there's, you know, he's on an outgoing contract, and there was some, you know, question marks over whether he can carry them for the rest of the season. Um, Edward Chilufio is a bit young, obviously a 19-year-old, and Viberg as well. Um, so, an experienced signing in Kujovic, 31 years old, Fortuna Düsseldorf, really, really well received his signing. Uh, there were other clubs in Sweden who were in for him, so. That looks like a, a good pickup. I, I'm not entirely sure about him. I'll, I'll be honest, I don't know a great deal about the player. So I won't pretend to sort of know much about him. What I do know is he has honours to his name in the past. Uh, he has won the league title before uh, with Noor Shopping in 2015. So, you know, he was also their top scorer at the time. So, you know, he's also got an Osvenskan top scorer name to his belt in 2015 season. So, certainly comes with a pedigree. And if he can continue that, I mean, he's 31 now, so maybe getting on a little bit. But if he can come back from Dusseldorf, brush down those cobwebs and fire Jurgard into another title, he will go down in legendary status in Diff territory. I know it sounds awful now, doesn't it? To, to say 31, you're getting on a bit. I always used to laugh when I was a bit younger, but now I'm in my 30s myself. Then... Uh... You know, in football, in terms, I wouldn't be considered a spring chicken anymore, for sure. Um, you wouldn't be getting more than 60 minutes a game, Steve. <laughs> Tops. Hey, <laughs> unless I was in goal. I could <laughs> last there. I used to be a goalkeeper. I used to be a goalkeeper in my youth days. Well, it's prime prime years for that now. It's the early 30s. I know. I know. I just never kept up with it. But uh, <laughs> staying in Stockholm and Hammerby... Well, they uh, sold Odilon Kusanu to Club Bruges for 2.8 million euros, which is a pretty good price. 
They also sold Sander Svensson to uh, Odense in uh, Denmark. He didn't even play for them this year. He was on loan at Odd Ball Club in Norway. So that's quite good, I think, to get €250,000 for a player who wasn't even featuring for you. Um, I mean, I know you were talking in the recent podcasts about potentially them losing players like Tankovic. And I mean, that still might happen, I suppose. But it's encouraging in this particular window that they haven't lost anyone. I mean, they suppose they can afford to keep players now. Nearly €3 million Euros, uh, income in this transfer window for Hammerby. So um, they don't necessarily need to sell, perhaps. I mean, in terms of players that have arrived to the club, they've signed Richard Magyar, centre-back from uh, Grutter Furth in uh, Germany. And another Werder Bremen player joins the league, Aaron Johansson, centre-forward decent market value so as always with Hammerby plenty of uh, seemingly ins and outs but how do you assess their situation? Well I think I say this every every window really when it comes to Hammerby business unknown uh, to be decided I mean they've also brought two players in from Ivory Coast um, from ASEC Mimosas the famous uh, club out there um, yeah it's always uh, Aaron Johansson you know, will will he do well? Obviously, Kiar Tansen's left, and he would probably come in and replace him. I know there was a lot of fanfare about the player when he joined Magyar as well. I do think they needed a centre back, maybe just to try and solidify that defence a little bit. I think they could use some tightening in that area. Um, Johansson is another player who who does come with a bit of pedigree. Obviously, an American um, forward, uh, international player. There's another player I, can't, I honestly can't say too much about in terms of what I know about him because I haven't seen him play that much but uh, obviously he does have some pedigree from the German league also AZ Alkmaar he, he, he scored 38 goals in four, 84 games in total so you know he's done it in Denmark he's, he's didn't score that many in the Bundesliga four in 28 in total but um, certainly in Denmark and, 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 and uh, the Dutch league he's been quite good so you know the challenge is there for him now he's had, he's had a lot of injury problems um, this season, ankle problems kept him out of the, the league for most of this season, actually, uh, last season. So, can he overcome that? We'll see. Um, do Hammerby even really need him? I mean, they're absolutely flying in terms of goals at the moment. And they tend to have that balance very, very well. So, you know, do too many cooks spoil the broth, Steve? I guess we will find out. I'm guessing he's the replacement for Kiartenson, uh, though, isn't he? Um I mean, just looking at Johansson now, actually, he once had a market value of nearly five million. I mean, this is a guy who's had 19 caps for the United States of America. Could be a potentially brilliant signing if he stays fit um, there for Hammerby. It must be said. Um, that one definitely does catch my eye. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like I say, I think um, when he joined, there was a lot of a lot of talk about him obviously he's come back from three months out with ankle surgery which is a problem and he's 28 now but there was a lot of fanfare like like you've mentioned um you know obviously american fans are very passionate about their players as well which which causes a stir so they've got a lot of attention in the states and hammerby at the moment um but yeah i think it's one of those ones where if he can you know if he can settle in he can also play on the wing as well so you know he's, he's, he's quite versatile um has a bit of a good pedigree. I think maybe we need a listener who maybe has watched him to maybe tweet us at Nordic Football and let us know if you think it's a good signing or not, to be honest, because I'm a little bit on the fence with it. I, 
I was similar with Kjartansson, but Kjartansson had had a proven track record in uh, in Sweden. He'd, he'd already scored goals um, for other clubs, whereas Johansson is, is new to the league. Um, but at 28, you know, he could be maybe that final piece in the jigsaw to, to push them even further up the table and, and, and score more goals. Particularly if you bear in mind that Tankovic, or one of the players who's doing so well at the moment in that forward area, maybe is it a sign that they might be departing before the window closes around Europe? I'm guessing you worry is if he turns into a, like an Andy Carroll or a Danny Welbeck or a Danny Daniel Surridge, you know, um, got ability, but there's no point, is there, if you're not on the actual field of play. So fitness will be a big part there for uh, for Johansson. But we wish him well from the Nordic Football Podcast. Um, let's move on to some uh, another team, Ostersunds, and um, let's just have a list of uh, who they've uh, who's, who've left them first. Ravel Morrison, obviously, was one. But he hardly featured anyway. Um, Al Haji Giero um, has moved to Helsingborg. Curtis Edwards to Jorgarten. Hossam Aish, who I do believe is quite a, was a key player for Ossesons, has moved to IFK Jotterborg. And um, well, coming in, they've got players I've never heard of, to be honest. A couple of lads from well, the English lower leagues. I don't know quite how low. Alex Perver from Geisley. That's there. I mean, they're in my neck of the wood, Geisley. Um, Blair Turgett, right winger from Maidstone. Um, Nebu Perry, left winger from FC Köln in uh, Germany. And Jordan Atar Kaderi, a centre forward from Nasarawa United in Nigeria. So, I mean, you were a bit of a non league expert in, in, in the UK, John. So I don't know if you've heard of Perver or Turgett, but. Um, be interesting to see how they get on. Yep, I'm very familiar with Blair Turgut. Um He plays in the South, obviously Maidstone being based in the South and the National League as well level. Uh, former West Ham United Academy graduate. He's, 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 he's been around the league. I think he played for Stevenish for a time. Boreham Wood as well, I think. Uh, I'm very familiar with him as a player. Um, I think it's a good move for him, certainly, because he'd, he'd come off the back of a season where he was, he was captain of Maidstone and he... he he did very well for a, a while before picking up a, a fairly long-term injury, which kept him out for several months. Um, so for him to be moving out to, to Sweden, I think is a really good uh, move for him because Maidstone were relegated. Um, so yeah, he's gone from, <clears throat> I think, level seven of English football to top division in Sweden there. Great opportunity. Alex Perver, I'm not so familiar with because he's in your neck of the woods up, up north. Um, I don't cover the National League North that much because it's quite far away. <laughs> um, so I did watch him in his debut, though, against Noor Shopping in that game where they were absolutely battered by Noor Shopping. And he was, he, he did struggle in that game, I'll be honest. He, he looked out of place. And um, maybe it's one of those ones where when you join the league for the first time, you know, you, you everything's new for you, isn't it, really? It's, it's a completely new experience and you need to get up to the pace of the game. Was he maybe thrown in a little bit too early is, is, is a question mark. But um, I think this transfer window really is kind of the end of the era for Graham Potter uh, and his Ostersons team, in my opinion. I think this can really be considered like the washing out of that squad now. If you look at it, if you look at it there's all the players that you kind of tended to associate with that Potter team towards the end of um, you know, their fantastic time there with the Europa League run. More and more of them are, are on their way out now. Aish, of course, who was you know, a key player for them over the past few years. Um, Curtis Edwards, who just so symbolic from their rise 
you know, coming from the lower divisions up to the, to the top division and moving on to Eurogarden for a new challenge. Giro as well, he was very, very um, instrumental at times. I remember in the cup runs and things like that. So, yeah, this is really like the washing out of that team, I think. And, you know, Ian Bertrand was putting his stamp on things now. A lot of those players have come to the end of their time with Ostersons as well. Um, Bertrand came out and said that he, you know, everybody at the club knew that Aish wanted to leave since January, uh, which was a bit of a parting shot in some ways. Um, a bit of an accusation there maybe that he wasn't, didn't have his heart fully in it this season. And I think that's a fair accusation in terms of his, 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 his output on the pitch because I don't think he's been anywhere near as good as he, as he was last season, for example. Um, yeah, players like that who have been such stalwarts of the team and don't forget the likes of Samak Godos who have left. You know, it really is kind of coming to the end of an era now. Um, Austin's lack goals. They have the lowest expected goals in the league. So the signing of um, a forward from Nigeria, I think he's been on trial there and is impressed. You know, he's a 19-year-old, so this is completely new to him going out to, to the middle of uh, wintry Sweden. It's, um, yeah, it will be, it'll be very interesting to see how they do. And I think it's, it's been a, it's quite a fascinating window, really. But, you know, can the non-league players handle it out there in Sweden? We shall see. Yeah, we certainly shall see. And uh, we just talked about Hassan Aish there. He's moved to IFK Göteborg. I mean, is that, is that a, a bigger... I mean, they obviously are a bigger club, aren't they? But are they necessarily a better club to be at? I don't know. Um, whether it will be a good personal move for Aisha or whether he would have been better off moving away from the league. But uh, we moved to AIK now. They've also signed Tobias Sana, a left winger from Ardus in um, in Denmark. They've lost, obviously, Benjamin Nigren to Genk, but they did get 3.7 million euros for him, which is quite a good fee. They also lost Carl Starfelt, centre-back to Ruben Kazan. Can't remember him ever being mentioned too much on the Nordic Football Podcast, John, so I don't know how important he was at the back for for IFK but um, as I say uh, I mean will he be a big loss or not? Reasonably a big loss uh, I don't think it's a I mean he was a key player he was an important first team starter for them so you know from that point of view you don't want to be losing your, your, your main players and I think IFK have wobbled really since they've lost Benjamin Neger and I think they lost a lot of momentum around that, those departures Starfelt as well I think they've that's that's kind of you know, they've tailored off a little bit in the title race. Remember, we were talking about them, you know, six, seven, eight games ago as potential title contenders. I remember one particular commenter on Twitter who was adamant they would be, um, you know, maybe potential champions. I wasn't convinced at the time, and I think you know that's kind of proved itself. But yeah, like let's not forget that they were considered really highly, and they've just sort of tailored off a little bit now, dropped down the table slightly. These two signings, I think, are, are very, very. Oh, I think they're intriguing. You know, also Maish, I really didn't expect them to get him. You know, there was big rumours he'd go to like Middlesbrough, um, you know, the Championship anyway, Nottingham Forest were in for him apparently. Leeds scouted him and that I think personally um, alludes to what I just said about his level of dips from last season. You know, you've you've got all these big clubs coming to watch you and you've ended up still in North Ventskan really. I think that says a little bit about how he didn't have a great season so far this season and maybe that's cost him a, a major move. Um, but having said that, I think EF Core is a, is, is a positive move for him. Um, it's a fresh start. He is, a, I think, EF Core fan. He mentioned in his um, unveiling that he, he used to watch EF Core as a, as a child and, you know, he wants to emulate some of the great names that have been there. So 
he seems really, really motivated. He said that that's the only team he would have joined in Sweden apart from apart from Ostersunds. So I think it's a fresh start for him and an opportunity, maybe a, a slightly better supported club. You know, EF Core, although they've been below Ostersunds in recent years, they're, they're a bigger club than them and um, a bigger platform and a bigger fan base. So it's an opportunity there for him to sort of, you know, refresh. Uh, Toby Asana, there's a backstory there. Obviously, he's previously come through at EF Core. He was um, he was there a few years back when I was out living there. Really, really didn't go well for him at the end of his time in in, in EF Core after he threw um, he threw a corner flag actually into the crowd at, at a game um, after he was booed, and um, it really it was it really ended badly for him at EF Core. So a lot of the fans were not happy to see him back. It caused a big stir his return, but um, he's not really done too much out in Denmark and. I think he's returned home really maybe wanting to sort of prove himself again but I think he will have to hit the ground running because fans fans were not happy with him in his general conduct so um, decent player on his day you know winger can cut inside he can he can he can score goals but I think he he lacks a little bit of stardust I'm not I'm not a massive fan of his so I was quite surprised with that move but um, I think they needed numbers really after losing Negren and uh, one thing to just point out before we move on and that is uh, I really want to wish um, Rasmus Wickstrom a, a, a speedy recovery. He's an academy graduate who came through and he made his debut um, in the recent game against Falkenberg. And he did his crucial ligament after 20 minutes, <laughs> uh, roughly. So he's out for 10 months, which is really, really sad, isn't it? He's uh, someone coming through as a teenager, making a debut at your hometown club. Um, that was really, really sad to see. So I wish him well. Um, I hope he can really recover because he's a very, very promising defender, actually. I've seen him play for the youth teams and he's got real potential. Yeah, it's a real shame, isn't it? I mean, at least a lot of those months will be in the off-season. So he, he hopefully can come back and um, you know get a decent amount of game time in 2020. Um, so, yeah, we wish him well from the Nordic uh, Football Podcast there. Now, just looking up and down the list here of transfers in and out of clubs... And, I mean, some are not very active at all. Um, Falkenberg, for example, hardly uh, any business in or out. Um, Sirius as well, not much uh, activity. But on the other end of the spectrum, you've got Helsingborg and AFC Eskilsjöner, who I'm not even going to read the the list in and out because it's just too long um, in both instances. But I mean, a couple of names that stand out. Anders Lindegaard, the goalkeeper. Coming from uh, from Burnley to Helsingborg, and if I ask the Eskilstuna, I know um, the Japanese guy Soya Taka, Takahashi could be an intriguing prospect, John. You you do like a bit of mischief, don't you, Steve? Because uh, I think you know full well that I specifically said, "Do not ask me about that player," <laughs> <laughs> because I haven't a clue. Lindegard, um, I mean Helsingborg. Uh, do you look at them, and do you, did they need to bring in? As many players as they have done, I mean, there's a lot of free transfers and loans coming into the club. Did they need to reinforce? I think that's the Henrik Larsson effect. They've, um, you know, he's come in and he's probably looked at the squad and, and he's decided that he wants to, to, to jig things up a bit. Um, lost Rasmus Jonsson, who, weirdly enough, has gone to Thailand, um, the Swedish forward. He's only 29, but you got uh, maybe, I know they pay quite well in parts of the world like Thailand, but. Um, yeah, he's moved out there, and uh, I think I think um, Larson came in, and they really needed a striker. 
you know, they, they he went on record and said that they that they wanted to pick someone up. Um, they've looked around. You know, Giro's an interesting signing. He's got league experience of Osvenskan. Uh, and yeah, the, some of the players I don't know too much about. I think T- Tashrik Matthews is one uh, at Dortmund who's meant to be highly rated. Um, he's only 18 years old, so you know you can't ask too much from at such an early stage. Um, Lindegaard, I was really shocked by. I didn't didn't see that one coming, but maybe the Man United factor there. Obviously, Henrik Larsson having spent some time on loan at Manchester United. Um, I think Lindegaard was part of that squad at the time, uh, the 35-year-old, and Tobias Mickelson, who's coming from from Australia, the Dane. So, slightly random transfers, but obviously they've been quite busy. I think I think they do need a bit of a rejig, I'll be honest. I think they, you know, they've been a little bit of a stale team and I think they needed an injection of, of fresh blood maybe just to help them on on their way. Um, but I do think they've lost a couple of players that, you know, could be, could have been used for them. I mean, in terms of, I mean, it sounds like Helsingborg it was probably needed, um, a, you know, a, a fresh impetus in the transfer market. In the case of AFC Eskilstuna, does it reek more of panic with the amount of players that keep coming in and out of this club? And uh, I do believe there's been another story involved with AFC Eskilstuna recently, John, which uh, you want to talk about. Yeah, a, um, a well-respected publication in, in Sweden has come out um, in the last week and talked about accusations of bullying from the uh, club uh, management towards the players. Um, players have come out anonymously uh, stating that things like, you know, I think one of them said that his dad was insulted by the club manager. Um, apparently he used to pin players to the wall and slap them in the face. And well, pretty serious accusations of abuse, to be honest. And um, yeah, it's, it reminds me of what happened with Bruma Poikin last season. There was a lot of accusations which led to the departure of several members of club staff after players came out and um, accused accused um, the manager at the time uh, of um, of all kinds of abuse, to be honest. Um, seems like a similar thing, this leak. I don't know exactly, you know, the accuracy of it. It's hard to comment. Um, but yeah, there's there's been a lot of accusations and doesn't bode well for ASES Gilstuna because you, obviously that's the last thing you want, isn't it, when you're in a relegation battle is your manager being accused of, of, of um, well, all kinds of nastiness. So what exactly has been said in the media about AFC Eskilstuna then, John? Well, there's, <laughs> there's some fantastic quotes, I'll be honest, in the uh, accusations. It's, it's, it's quite a big scandal. I mean, if you liken this to England or, you know, another league, it's like kind of, it's kind of like a revolt at a club like Huddersfield or, you know, a club, a revolt at a club like maybe Leeds or someone like that in the lower, lower league, um, you know, is a big thing, to be honest. I know AFC are not a massive club, but, you know, players have been testifying on record about bullying at the club. Um, so I'll read you out some of their comments that have been said. I mean, amongst other things, uh, it was accused that the manager, Nemanja Milianovic, told a player's dad that he is a shitty boot on the... <laughs> a piece of shit on a boot. Um, that is one of the comments. Um, he told another player that you are only at this football club as a charity case and if you don't sort yourself out you'll be right back to where you began um, there's accusations of blackmail against employees there's accusations of bullying as I've said of, of, of physical abuse um, pinning players against the wall um, what I found quite funny about it was the uh, comments from 
Milianovic himself, he was he was asked about it afterwards, and some of his comments were just very very funny. It's like going up in court or something like that. And he, you know, he was asked, for example, um, do you how do you feel about being accused of calling someone a piece of shit on a boot? And he said, I categorically did not say that. You know, he claims that he did make some comments about um, about a player being a charity case. So he said, you know, all I was trying to say was that if the player did not like where he where he was, you know, he does not like the club, then he can go back to where he was before. Um, so yes, yeah, it's, it's it's really blown up in the media, and there's been a lot of accusations, as as I've said. So um, yeah, not so not so nice, obviously, if you're in the middle of it, and it seems like a lot of the players are, are really taking this quite seriously um, in terms of their accusations of bullying. So uh, I mean, it will rumble on, but it's not helpful for the club when they're trying to avoid relegation, is it? It certainly doesn't help them. And I mean, what do you think the the fans think about this? Um... I mean, actually, sorry, daft question. They don't have any fans, do they? So, um, but well, I think comments like "I've helped you out more than your dad." <laughs> dear, dear. I mean, it's. Um, I mean, how can I mean, they can they survive? Can they stay up with an attitude like that within the squad? I mean, I'm reading some of these comments. Uh, you know. You drag down, you drag down the mood. If you don't want to be here, then please leave. You know, I've helped you more than you. <laughs> I've helped you more than your dad, which is that is, I'm like, that is some comment, isn't it? Really, I mean, um, the player actually came out and said he's never, he's never even met my dad. <laughs> <laughs> the fantastic yeah. goings on at ASCS plus unit. You shouldn't really laugh, but. Um, you know, some of the comments are just wildly bizarre. And I think, in a way, the, the bizarreness of it actually lends to its credibility because, you know, you're not going to make up something like that, really, are you? And um, Milianovic, he, he's, definitely, he's definitely wobbling in some of his comments, um, trying to defend himself. So, you know, like I say, there's a serious element to this, you know, then this is being investigated by the league and there will be consequences for anyone found guilty, um, certainly. So he's up against it, really. But, um, yeah, they're in big trouble. I think, and that's not a positive sign. Probably a positive sign for the likes of Falkenberg, um, Gifsons, Fala and Kalmar, though, who are trying to compete with them to stay in the league. A lot of different players coming into the into the club at AFC uh, Eskilstuna, and I did mention Soya Takahashi. I mean, this is a guy who uh, who's recently been playing in the Asian Champions League, so quite a decent level um, for this uh, Japanese uh, Left back, right back, uh, it seems like he can play in midfield as well. Might be a bit of an unknown quantity, but um, there's always a bit, uh, an air of randomness, isn't there, about AFC's uh, transfer business? Well, that's the thing. Is I mean, it's an entire squad of um, unknown quantities. In fact, you could argue it's a complete league of, on. you know, you could argue it's a complete club of unknown quantities, to be honest. Um that's my beef with them, really. You know, I never know what to get. I said it on a previous podcast. Their transfer business to me just reeks of agent activities. Um, you know, recommendations, mates of mates. You know, all right, this players come from the Asian Champions League, but you know, who's who? Who are you telling me scouted him from ASCS Kusuma? You know, do they have? A, I don't think they have a scouting infrastructure that covers you know the Middle East, does it? Or Japan? Right. I'd be surprised. <clears throat> Very much doubt it with their with their you know income. So, like I say, it just reeks of kind of agent recommendations and 
all right, you might get one or two of them correct, but you know, I'm always more in favour of a, a bit more of a robust um, scouting system. I'll be honest. Um, so yeah, I mean, I brought a quartet of players in. So yeah, Takahashi, Dmitry Zurevlev, Michael Anaba, and Pontus Rodin. Uh, never heard of any of them in my life. <laughs> now, one of them's come from Linshopping City in Division Three. One of them's come from, again, Division Three. One's come from Spain, and one's come from, like you say, um, you know, the Asian Champions League. You know, I've said it before already with ASC. I think they're a bit of a strange, strange club all round, and these accusations that have come out in the media are obviously, you know, a cloud that's going to be over them. We'll talk about another team down there in a minute, that's Kalmar, but uh, just before we go to them, Biko Hecken um, recently lost Alexander Yeremiev for a million euros to Dynamo Dresden. They already lost um, Mohamed Nasiru, uh, I think we talked about him in a recent podcast. Signed Gustav Nielsen, up front from Danish club uh, Viela. But um, just briefly, how important is the Yeremiev loss for Hecken? Yeah, a big loss. Um, yeah, a very big loss. I think they're going to really, <clears throat> I think they're going to miss him just from the point of view of, you know, they, Yeremiev is a, is a very good player, number nine, you know, a good target man. He gets goals. He's, I think he's their top goal scorer this season. Um, and just in general, <clears throat> you know, he's, he's he's got 12 goals and assists in total this season. Um, I think he will be missed. He was missed in their Europa League game, obviously, when they failed to register him. And I feel like he will be missed uh, again um, going forward. I don't know too much about their, his replacement, but um, yeah, he, you know, Hacken have been really, really good going forward this season. They're one of the top goal-scoring teams in the league. So this is a, a blow. Um Dresden is, a, you know, a lot of players are going to the sort of German second division and I think it's a positive move for him and they, they've obviously paid the money. Um, I think they've got good values, to be honest, because I think I do, I do think he's, he's earned his move, if I'm, if I'm honest. But yeah, obviously he's previously at Malmo and he, he's really thrived at, mm. at Hacken and, and, and gone on. Okay, well, let's talk about Kalmar now because we had a couple of listener questions from about them and that's uh, uh, Warson who were uh, at Oscar Holt uh, 1991 on Twitter. Thanks for your questions. Um, what do you know about Gare Andre Herum, who just uh, signed uh, to Kalmar from Buda Glimt? I'll talk about him in a minute. And also a question to you, John. The last few days uh, in the transfer window, Kalmar brought in three players to the team. Is that enough to save them from relegation? So um, let's go through a list of players that have come in. Uh, Herum has recently arrived. Uh, they've got Alexander Jakobsen from Norshipping on loan. Jesper Manns, a right-back from Elfsborg. Samuel Adrian on loan from Malmo. Uh, a couple of uh, guys returned back from loan spells to the club. Leaving Kalmar, Chima Akas. I know uh, he was quite an important player to Belenich in Portugal. And uh, a few loans have gone out of the club along with uh, Mas. Daffa El Kabir. So, uh, Kalmar then, uh, John. I mean, first question there. Do you think they've got they've done enough here to uh, survive relegation? Well, we shall see. I mean, I think one thing that's clear is they did need a striker. Uh, they their top goal scorer has three goals, the lowest um, of any team in the league in terms of top goal scorers with 
you know, I think it's Niels Froling. Uh, that's not enough really for your top scorer with just three. So they really do need sort of attacking reinforcements. Um, I'm a fan of some of the signings. I think Jesper Mans at one point, he was quite decent at Ellsborg. Um, but Shim Akas, you know, I'm not sure how much they'll miss him. Uh, I think at times I saw him, and he, he did quite well. <clears throat> but at times, I think, you know, they seem fairly happy for him to go, to be honest. So um, he's got his move to Portugal with Belenenses. But uh, the other players I, I don't know too much about, you're going to tell me and the listeners about Herem, who's their main kind of recruit, really, aren't you? I've got to be honest, I don't think it's a very good uh, signing for them. Um, I mean, let's, this is a guy who's been he's been scoring goals for Budaglim this season, but uh, he's not always been a mainstay in the team, and uh, rarely would he last 90 minutes. I think a lot of the goals that he scored there have been a, as a result of their, their playmakers, um, Hawkon Evin and uh, Amol Layuni. So he's had a lot of chances handed to him on a plate. And from what I know of Kalmar, they're not really known for creating that many opportunities, are they? So unless he's getting great, a lot of great service, then uh, I just think he might struggle. He's quite a lightweight player in terms of physical um, presence up there. But he's got reasonable pace and suggestions of skill at times but he isn't probably as clinical with chances as you'd want him to be I do wish him the very best but from what I've seen of Gerard Andre Herum I just don't think he's going to be a, a success in, in the Alsvenskan sadly I mean I think it is a bit relative so one, one thing I would ask you is you know relative success for Kalmar would be five goals in the league I mean can can he score more than the three goals that their top goal scorer has yeah. or are you, are you saying are you saying he's not going to score any goals he can be an upgrade, can't? Yeah, I think he is. It sounds like they've got an absolute. You know, they've just obviously they haven't got the strikers that have scored them goals. So you'd you'd hope by just by a sheer default he can be an improvement there. But um, just, I mean, the Alsvenskan, I think, is still a slightly better league than Elite Assyrian as a, as an overall whole. I think there's more strong teams overall in, in that league and I just worry that he's gone to a club it's like going to the Premier League with uh, Huddersfield or Palace isn't it there's, just, there's not many goals there's, uh, usually not many chances created is there it's not known for scoring goals so he's going to have to make the most of his chances and he just doesn't strike to me as a clinical sort of player he, he's the sort of striker who needs about two, three, four opportunities to get his goal I mean is that going to really happen at Kalmar? Okay, well, that, that answers the question that we had from a listener, so thank you for your question there. Uh, one thing I wanted to point out, actually, before we move on, is on the goal scorers thing there. Interestingly enough, out of every team in the Osvenskan, 25% of the teams in the league have lost, lost their top goal scorer who have been transferred out of, the, out of the league. It's quite interesting, isn't it? Really, a quarter of the league have lost their top scorer, so it it's a clear message, really. If you're if you're playing in the Swedish top division and you're the the top goal scorer of your team, there's a pretty pretty good chance you're gonna get a move. Yeah, nice place to get yourself in the shot window, isn't it? It really is. All right. Well, I think that pretty much covers uh, everything in this particular episode. Uh, sorry, we didn't really have much chance to talk about uh, any uh, Norwegian uh, issues uh, domestically, anyway. Uh, we are midway through the transfer window in the Elita Serie, and I'm sure we will have a podcast towards the end of the month, start of September, where we do recap on that window 
uh, over there in Norway. So, um, well, that's pretty much it. Uh, remember, give us a follow on Twitter at NordicFootPod. Um, send in uh, some questions to us whenever you want to. We do our best to answer them. Sorry we couldn't quite get um, a mention of, of all the questions that were tweeted into us this week, especially um, Norwegian fantasy, stuff like that. But um, we'll do our very best in the next episode. Uh, so, so keep listening to us. Um, thanks very much for your company, and we'll see you again very soon. Goodbye.